Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, was the laziest person ever the one who named a fireplace a fireplace? Hi, America. Hello, welcome. It's true, isn't it? A fireplace. Who named that? Who came up with that? The place where the fire is. There's no creativity, is there? Mm -hmm. This is the trouble. Lazy or common sense? Either works. Either works. <laughs> My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show. More questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So without any further ado, let us introduce tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Investigations, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather announced before the show that she can't spell Armageddon. Well, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim realised this week that she would rather spend 10 minutes rearranging the dishwasher to accommodate something than spend 20 seconds washing it by hand. Welcome to the show. That's Kim. not true. Everyone does that. That is true. You rearrange it all in the dishwasher like a giant game of chess and it would take seconds just to run it under the faucet. This is where we are. That's how you wash dishes? Apparently. Mm. No, I just wipe it on my shirt and put it back on the table. Mm -hmm. Let the dog lick it off. That's the sort of thing. All of, <laughs> it, all of the above and more. 
And finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after her washing up tonight. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg found the worst page in the entire dictionary this week. It was disgraceful, disgusting, dishonest, and disingenuous. Welcome to the show, Greg. (laughs) Hello. I love this show. If you dialed, you see, this is series two, episode 53, okay? Mm -hmm. Fabulous number. If you dialed the international code of 53, you would be connected to Cuba. I knew that. It was no good saying it after the event. There's no points to be had <laughs> retrospectively, is there? All the quiz shows in the world would be redundant at that point, would they not? Oh. If you then answered after the... See I don't get a are. point. Shout a random place out. China. Name a large communist country. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Heather's on one point. It doesn't work like that, does it? What planet are you on? I've always wanted to go to Cuba, actually, but I guess it's now a race, isn't it, to get there before McDonald's makes it. That's the problem, isn't it? You want to get there before capitalism takes a hold now. There you go. I went to Prague in the Czech Republic and uh, Hungary and a lot of Eastern Europe directly in the early 90s after the Berlin Wall came down and the fall of the Soviet Union. And it was fabulous. Everything was very cheap. Nothing was touched by commercialism or capitalism. And I went back to Prague again recently, and it was just a horror show. You know, there's McDonald's everywhere, and it's just like any other. Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's the sort of thing. Mm. Any other Western European town. It's very depressing. I once went into a vegetarian restaurant and asked for something herby, and they wheeled in a 1969 VW Beetle. Do you know why that's come up? 53 was, of course, the number sported by the lovable Bug Herbie, the Nazi German staff car with a mind of its own. 53 is the maximum number of players on a National Football League roster. Did anyone know that? No. The things I learned... Are you not going to claim that you knew that? Yeah. I didn't know that (laughs) one. After the event. Wow. There was points going there, wasn't there, of naming it after the (laughs) retrospective scoring has been introduced by Heather Morris. That is true. I didn't know that. If you are trapped in a room, okay, with an angry grizzly bear, a hungry lion, and a Packers fan, and you only have one gun with two bullets, what do you do? Shoot yourself. You shoot the Packers fan twice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, Jew. Hi, Scott, by the way. (laughs) Now, Jew, to our popularity. We are starting at 8 p.m. Central Time on Dark Matter Digital Radio Network. We currently have, this is due to our successes, we currently have staggering figures here. 78,000 followers on Twitter. We have 20,000 listeners just on SoundCloud alone and of course we're on many other formats like itunes and stitcher for example in over 190 countries so many thanks one and all wherever you are listening in the world thank you for your support here on dark matter digital radio now i love reading out our mailbag all the comments from around the week Uh on facebook all my email messages. I love this part of the show. This makes oh, me no. very happy. Kerry, who we know very well of C Paranormal, Kerry in Minnesota, has written, congrats on your success and for more 
in the future. That's very kind of you, Kerry. I appreciate that. Patrick has posted about our latest archive show. He says, it's a classic. The point tallies at the end were quite funny. <laughs> quite, <laughs> only quite funny. <laughs> the point tally- Who would have thought that our point tallies would be quite funny? He goes on to say, by the way, they're all amazing shows. I've never laughed so hard from a radio show as I do from MQ. TA. So many thanks, Patrick, for that. That's much appreciated. Leah's posted. Good job, everyone. Very short and very sweet. Jonas in California, Anaheim, I believe, has some issues over the points distribution. So I shall read this out as follows. I'm afraid I must call out certain factors in the scoring of this week. Adrian, you say you won with four points. And while I agree that your shaggy impression should give you two extra points advocating that people should dress up as a clown and go into public uh, burial places should be an automatic deduction of points. Clowns are evil. And I believe the five point deduction rule is universal. So many thank you for that. You're replying science. <laughs> I agree. You cannot reason. Hang you can't you should start on minus five. Yes. You should say, okay, I'll start on the basis. Thank you, Jonas, for that. On the basis of Jonas mentioning that the scoring is in fact biased, you can't apply science to this. You can't reason with the unreasonable is where we are. But I am on minus five. I start the show on minus five. We'll see if the science that he's talking about keeps the score correct. Yeah, Kim's on the right right side of things there. <laughs> at the weekend i just want to say i was in mankado all weekend i was doing psychic readings and i did a talk on saturday night on ghost hunting 101 so i want to thank everybody who turned up to the health and wellness expo including uh, val curtis thank you for organizing that that was a fabulous event and if people wish to go along they can look at the matrix media site for mankado the health and wellness expo and we have dates available in November, if people want to come and say hello, that was just a joy. I love meeting all the people, doing all the readings. That's just a joy. It makes me very happy. Before we start the show, I have a quibble. It's not often I have a quibble, but tonight I'm having a quibble. There's cream for that. I know, and I've used it all up. <laughs> Can we discuss, oh in a sensible adult fashion, the new Ghostbusters trailer? I think it's time. <laughs> I think it's time. I thought we discussed this already. Yes, but I've had a revelation. I had a cathartic moment. I had an epiphany. Yes. And I had a large epiphany. And I you've realized over to the dark side where I am. Yes. Originally I thought the Ghostbusters trailer doesn't look that bad. Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a go. Much more laid back, easygoing European point of view. You see where we are? Now the problem I have, and what I suddenly realized this week, which I'm going to share with everybody, is the fact that the Ghostbusters film shows absolutely no respect for the history and the nostalgia of that film franchise. And I will tell you why. And this is my problem. In the first three seconds of that trailer, you hear the music. There's a piano playing. It's the opening notes of Ghostbusters. It goes... Ding, 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 ding. And you see a scene of New York where three seconds in, a strap line comes up and it says, once four scientists saved New York. That's the beginning of their trailer. We're seconds in. Do you see the problem I have with that? Do you see why they've thrown the history and the nostalgia out of the window? Have they even seen the first two films? They're, Heather, you are chomping at the bit. Your bit is fully chomped at this stage. 
There weren't four scientists. There was not four scientists. There was three scientists. <laughs> Winston was the hired help because they were being overwhelmed. Yes. Did they even see the first two no. films? In the opening three seconds of the new trailer, they've already messed up. They already say, we do not care what happened previously and what was in the first three films. Go yes. on then. Go Tell on me. Then. What? I was right. I would. Don't, let's not get... <laughs> that must be worth two let's points. Get, yeah. I see how the women collaborate on all of this. Let's not get carried away. These are heady times. <laughs> I'm on minus five and you're on plus one already and the stories have not been read out yet. It should gonna be, be plus cr- three. It's going to be crap. That's all I'm saying. What, the film or the show? No, the, I, was the, for, I was aiming for both. The, the film. The film. I'm pleased yeah. to hear that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. A grieving husband who believed he had buried his wife after she was killed in a road accident was shocked when she popped up on a popular TV programme. Abra Mohammed held a funeral for his beloved wife after she was thought to have been killed in a crash. He was told by doctors in Casablanca Hospital that the woman, who hasn't been named, had passed away from her serious injuries. But she turned up on a TV program designed to reconnect loved ones who have lost contact over the years. Two years after the death, family members sat down to watch the popular Moroccan television series. It was then that Abra's deceased wife phoned in, saying she had lost contact with her husband and gave his name and former address. The widower wasn't watching the program when she phoned in to trace him, but friends were, and they broke and shocked the news to him. He told Spanish press, I did not know it was a different body that we buried, and my wife was still alive. Questions are now being asked as to what went wrong in the first place, why the woman took two years to get in touch, and where she had been. More pressingly, who had they buried? Would be my suggestion. That's what I'd like <laughs> That's a to good know. Question. It's ridiculous, isn't it? There are more questions than answers. What was his name again? Abra. Kadabra. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna reach out and grab you. <laughs> that That's violence in the workplace, that is. <laughs> I think there's some shenanigans. If people wish to see this story in glorious Technicolor, they can go to my Facebook site, More Questions Than Answers, with Adrian Lee. And I shall give myself six points. (laughs) I'm on one. Oh, hang on. You can't bring your own bells with you. What is this? No. It's outrageous. That's a cowbell. You've got. How did you bring a cowbell in here without me seeing? Without a cow. Without a cow. There's a naked cow out there wandering around, bellless. I tell you, it's outrageous. <laughs> Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I've got Saudi religious cops trained to fight magic. There is going to be a training course on combating the black arts. We can wow. do magic, magic. I it's know. a kind of magic. I'm What's in a singing mood you? tonight. I don't know. I've had Pepsi Cola. I've There's no idea. something. <laughs> Saudi Arabia's influential religious it police takes the edge off the show. <laughs> have started training its new members on how to fight magic and arrest those involved in the black art in the Gulf Kingdom. She said members. <laughs> <laughs> Newspapers said 30 members of the commission she for said members again <laughs> for the promotion of virtue and prevention of vice have completed a 5-day course on combating magic at the commission's headquarters in the capital of Raid. 
They said the course covered theoretical and practical lessons on how to deal with magic, destroy black artwork, and identify magicians and sorcerers. How? By their pointy hat? Yes, and they've got a wand normally. But、oh. And they can do this in five days. And they can fly on brooms? Apparently. Oh, yeah. This is what you have to look out for, apparently. And a black cat,、oh. I think. <laughs> Magic is strictly banned in conservative Muslim Saudi Arabia, where those convicted for involvement in sorcery have been executed. Well, that's not good news, is it? Bring the tone down. I shall give you points for being informative. You are now on a large, resplendent. Two. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? A ghost spotted in girl's selfie will send shivers down your spine. <laughs> This spooky snap is most definitely not someone with a white sheet over their head. Paula Whelan got a shiver down her spine when she spotted the shadowy figure lurking in the background of her daughter's selfie. The picture appears to show a ghost above the doorframe. Sure, it could be a trick of the lighter camera, but maybe there's more to it than that. The photo was shared with Belfast Live by reader Paula, who explained that her daughter and a friend were taking selfies. Wanting to delete a bad one, they found what looks like a man's face above the doorframe. Paula told Belfast Live the photo was just taken about a half hour ago. My daughter's friend took it, and it's seriously creepy. Creepy. It's creepy, I tell you. Creepy. If you wish to see the creepiness, you need to visit our Facebook site. Your Facebook site. <laughs> you need to visit my Facebook site. It's not my fault you've only got six people on yours.、Uh, I know. Sad times. <laughs> the less popular person in school. I know. Sat in the dinner line all on your own. Never got asked to dance. Eating your pack. You got asked to go to Dairy Queen a few times, though, didn't you? <laughs> I have a story here that says ghost hunters are to investigate a town hall that staff complain is haunted. A man is known to have been killed at the dance there in 1970s when he was thrown from a landing, and there are reports a boiler room stoker died while tending fires. The town hall, built in 1853, was once a prison and a condemned cell. Chief Executive Andy Howlett said people in the cell say they can feel different sensations there. Ever been in a cell, Greg, and experienced different sensations? No.、Nope. The night is still young. Andy Stance, a site manager at the town hall, said he had some weird experiences in the building over the years. He added, "I was in the wet room off the stairs, and I heard a pair of leather shoes cross the floor. Let's hope someone was in them. I've just got this image of a pair of shoes just walking their way." Across the floor, nothing in them.、It'd、be a terrible, haunted pair of shoes. Imagine you had a pair of shoes on that was haunted. They could take you places you didn't want to go.、Mm. You could be walking up the high street, and you didn't want to go to the high street. You wanted to go to Dairy Queen, but you're being taken in a completely different direction by your haunted shoes. You know that reminds me of something. <laughs> really? <laughs> Dairy Queen or the shoes? <laughs> I think I, there's a lot of boys in Mountain Lake that remember you in Dairy Queen. Oh God!、Um, what I was going to say is, I remember a story you were telling me about how you got trapped in a massage chair, which was hilarious, and that was taking you somewhere you didn't want to go. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I want to tell this story live on air. I went to a、um, what was it like a Great Western Hotel? Yeah, a very cheap kind of motel. You know, when I was doing an investigation, and there was a very nice. Indian man on the desk, and he said to me, "One of the benefits of staying in this hotel is this super duper, very expensive massage chair, like Model Three Thousand. It was the Model Three <laughs> Thousand. Who knew? 
These are the chairs that are going to take over the world when artificial intelligence comes to the rise. We're going to be hiding in a basement as chairs go whizzing by. So I thought, okay, I'm game. I'll give it a go. I kicked off my shoes. I positioned myself and my bottom into the nice blank, comfy chair. Black, (laughs) black comfy chair. And I pressed the buttons and uh, all of a sudden, It was like the Spanish Inquisition. I had my ankles seized by this chair. I could not get up. And your arms too. And it seized my arms and I was pinned there and I couldn't move. (laughs) And then my bottom got pummeled in ways that I would not want my bottom to be pummeled. I was black and blue, I tell you. Black and blue. I felt I'd been assaulted. I think you were screaming, weren't you? I had to go to a support help group the following week just to get it off my chest. I was crying in the corner in the darkness. Oh, good. I had to write... Letters and statements and terrible things. I've been having nightmares. And the chair's still right. It's still right. It's every <laughs> every Christmas I get money. Unbelievable. The closest I've been in years. <laughs> Where was I? There's a story in here. I have no idea. Hitching together. He said, I phoned my colleague who has access to security camera footage, but there was no one there. I've seen things moving like the lanyards in the chamber and the curtain moves as well every now and then. I have heard a metal bucket move across the floor and it wasn't in the place where I left it. It's the phantom bucket, I tell you. The mop was on the floor and the bucket was over on its side against the door. Paranormal friends will be using a variety of equipment to investigate the building, including K2 meters, laser lights, spirit boxes, glass divination and massage chairs. (laughs) Co-founder, is this a relative of yours? Co-founder Christopher Morris... No idea. No idea. Said the ghost hunting group believed the town hall has not been publicly investigated before. He added, when we started looking at it, we found there was a real history and there were reports of hauntings. We are completely open-minded sceptics. So much as what has happened, we can explain. But it's just that 5% that we can't explain that keeps us going back for more points all round. I am now on two. Heather, what have you got for me in the round of ghosts and haunting? I have 60% of widowed people see lost loved ones. 60%? Mm-hmm. That's what they're thinking. A new study in Italy has suggested that it is not uncommon to see, hear, or sense a deceased partner. Paranormal experiences involved in a deceased loved one are not as uncommon as most people would believe. That is according to researchers at the University of Milan who conducted an extensive study in the cases of the post-bereavement hallucinatory experience. Nice points just for that. Well done. Well, from here on out, they're going to be known as PBHEs. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, points for me. That's the new character from Star Wars, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Is he the little round one? Yeah, PBH. Yeah. <laughs> e. E. That's the <laughs> one. You, go. you got it. Overall, evidence suggests a strikingly high prevalence for PBHEs, ranging from 30 to 60 percent among widowed subjects, giving consistence and legitimacy to this phenomena. I wonder Uh, if this is just in Italy. Do you think Italy, with its Catholicism, with its rich history of spiritualism? And I'm curious to know if there's a difference in the percentage between men and women. I don't know. And how long after the deceased has died? Are we talking weeks or months? Well, 
something about icing. Mark? That's right. Yes, okay. I'd like icing on my cake, please. <laughs> I'd like icing. Always on my useful pizza. when I'm in the ga- in the station and I don't know where I'm going. Or I need to order <laughs> off of a restaurant menu. First thing I learned in Italian was, "Can you ice my cake?" <laughs> wow. No. <laughs> people I can't re- go back now. There's been some sort of order put in place. People report visions, voices, tactile sensations, smells, and something that we call a sense of presence that is not necessarily related to any of the five senses. So Do you want a demonstration talking- of tactile? <laughs> Textiles? Textiles. Do you want a dem- Look, here's my shirt. Polygon. Who knew? Do you want more demonstrations of textiles? Not Look really. at my jeans. <laughs> Thank God you said jeans. Or in wonder. <laughs> they happen involuntarily. And for example, not while someone is deliberately remembering, they are always significant to the bereaved and continue some aspect of the relationship with the loved one. Sometimes they also magnify it. Now, they're also saying that while it's clear exactly what is taking place during these experiences, some researchers believe that they may be similar to the flashbacks reported by sufferers of post-traumatic stress disorder. They are Hmm. grieving. So, yeah, that's... The process of grieving. Yeah, they say the thing that they're really looking into is how long after that they still experience these things. And what what were their conclusions? Um, there wasn't any. Not really. No, they're still working they're, they're, they're on it. still trying to decide whether it's helpful or unhelpful. Yes, yeah, they'll drag that out for another couple of years, of course, because they're sure. getting a grant for that. Mm-hmm. And it's Italy, and there's a siesta in the afternoon, and everything's covered in bureaucracy and red tape and dust, and it'll be years before they come years. to a conclusion. Years. Back to Ghostbusters, isn't it, when they're working in the basement on all their experiments? Yes. And they lose their grant and get kicked out. Those, get kicked out. Those three scientists. Four. Four. I'm sorry. <laughs> My bag. Terrible to do. No! Where'd you get that? This is terrible. I can't believe it. I'm sat here and suddenly another random bell has appeared. There is only one bell. It is this bell. No! <laughs> it's like the Matterhorn. It's like I'm skiing. You can't have your own bell. There is only one bell. I'll there can only, be. I'll only use it in case of emergency. Only one. <laughs> only when the scoring is wrong. What do you mean there can be only one? <laughs> there can be only one. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's shenanigans taking place of the highest order, and I'm very unhappy that several bells have now appeared miraculously on the table from the middle of nowhere. Mm. This is our anarchy starts. They'll be at the gates soon and burning effigies of people, burning books. You mark my words, this is how it goes. (laughs) We come to the end of the round that is ghosts and hauntings. Greg is on one point for saying no. I started on minus five, but have clawed my way back to two. Heather's on three and Kim is also on two with lots to play for. We run into the round called UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and it's hairy beasties. I have a story that says a man claims to have filmed a UFO flying through storm clouds using advanced camouflage technology. The YouTuber used... What's funny about that? What is camouflage technology? Cotton candy. Advanced camouflage technology is a cloaking device, I'm guessing. Okay. Cotton candy on a drone. Cotton candy on a drone. They've tethered a sheep to an aircraft. Where's my sheep gone? 
That's terrible. You've been watching too many cartoons, Jetsons. The YouTuber user captured the video while sitting in a parked car in San Antonio, Texas. In the footage, a saucer-shaped object can be seen travelling through the sky on an overcast morning last month. (laughs) Cotton candy on a drone. What planet are you? How do you get cotton candy to stick to a drone? And why would you want to make your own clouds? It's just how my mind works. It was perfect clear day. (laughs) Not a cloud in the sky. And you're in your backyard, gaffer-taping candy floss to a drone. I challenge our listeners... To send our listeners are oh, challenged. I will a video. agree. A video. A video of. Cotton. I bet there's not one out there. Yeah. Okay, the gauntlet has been thrown down by the ladies. You heard them. Cotton candy on a drone, or just cotton. It doesn't matter. Or sheep. <laughs> or sheep. Oh, you made it easier. Cotton would be easier than a cotton candy. Cotton yeah. balls. It has to be cotton candy. But That'd cotton just candy be would fun. T- it would taste better. Are you finished? Right? <laughs> Can I carry on? <laughs> He wrote on the site on this particular day, a heavy storm had passed over his head. Or was it cotton candy on a drone? The man posted the video to YouTube claiming he had captured a UFO using camouflage technology to hide itself in the clouds. You do not need to use modern technology, camouflage technology to hide yourself in the clouds. Just the process of hiding yourself in the clouds means you do not need to use camouflage. That's true. Do you hear what we're saying? Mm Mm-hmm. That's when I noticed it appeared to be a saucer-shaped UFO and was moving, so I began to record the sighting. When zooming in a glow and a shadow could be seen underneath it, I was able to capture it as it was moving erratically. He added that after analysing the video, he had come to the conclusion that he had captured a huge UFO using camouflage technology. (laughs) With his extensive knowledge of alien cloaking technology, no doubt. (laughs) However, many viewers of the footage did not agree, with some pointing out that the object appeared to be a drop of water on the windshield. (laughs) Appeared to be some carnies gluing Cotton candy to a drone. (laughs) Someone's written, dude, I love your work, but this is a drop of water on your windshield, wrote one man. So now these UFOs are also disguising themselves as raindrops. (laughs) They're crafty buggers, aren't they? You've got to watch them. They're very crafty. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? I better get some points for this. Well, let's not be hasty. Which came first, the dinosaur or the chicken? Oh, chickens are related to dinosaurs, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to go to Kentucky Fried Dinosaur, though, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Their family bucket you cannot carry Here out. Here come the that. Flintstones, right? That's right. <laughs> Scientists grow a dinosaur leg on a chicken. Oh. It's true. It's true. They've grown a dinosaur's leg. On a chicken. Just on. one? I think so. Yes. What does it taste like? I've no idea. We can't catch it. Tastes like chicken. Is he running around in circles? Maybe. What if you then grow the other leg? On another chicken? On the same chicken. What if you then grow two arms, a dinosaur's arms, on the same chicken? What if you then grow a dinosaur's head on the same chicken? They're working their way towards that. See where we're going with this? Mm -hmm. Is that a chicken then or is that a dinosaur? I have After no it's idea. all grown on. This is it. This is the questions that need to be answered. At what point does it stop becoming a chicken and it's now a dinosaur? It's like Doctor Who. It's Cybermen. You replace all your body parts and then you're more cybernetic than you are human. Mm-hmm. 
A recent reverse evolution experiment has succeeded in growing a dinosaur's limb on a farmyard bird. Modern chickens might not look particularly vicious, but inside their bodies they possess many genetic throwbacks from the time when their distant ancestors were large carnivorous reptiles. You say that, but in London I did see a chicken hold up a bank once with a gun. <laughs> Put the money in the bag and no one gets hurt. How long did it take you to get in that costume? <laughs> That's stir-crazy, isn't it? That's Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. We're talking stir-crazy. There you go. But it is really possible to turn back the clock and transform a chicken into a velociraptor. Mm -hmm. I thought a velociraptor was a made-up animal. I thought that was made up for Jurassic Park. They They actually called a dinosaur that, Mm -hmm. didn't they? Okay. To find out, scientists at the University of Chile recently conducted a reverse evolution experiment involving a lower leg bone called the fibula, which was believed to be long and tube-shaped in dinosaurs, but is now short and splinter-like in modern birds. With a bit of genetic tinkering, they're calling it tinkering now. That's a staple gun and some glue. (laughs) What? (laughs) Modern genetic tinkering is glue and a staple gun. The researchers were able to effectively disable the gene which limits the fibular's growth in chickens, thus creating a modern bird with the leg bone of a dinosaur. That's quite useful, though, isn't it, if you're looking to create chicken dinners? To have a leg of a chicken the size of a dinosaur leg would be very advantageous. That's almost like the giant turkey legs you get at the Renaissance festivals. They're delicious. I understand that. But this is where we're going, <laughs> isn't it? This is where we are. How would you catch one? How would you catch that? You well, could be driving gonna, up the highway. They're just going to run in circles. <laughs> I'm just, you'd be on the highway and you'd be going, you'd be going along, you'd do 65 up the highway and you'd go, and you're like, what's that? And you see this chicken disappearing into the distance in a ball So the of chicken did cross the road. There you go. Just to prove to the raccoon that it was possible. Uh, the experiments are focused on single traits to test specific hypotheses, said evolutionary biologist Alexander Vargas, one of the scientists involved in the project. Not only do we know a great deal about the bird development, but we also know about bird-dinosaur transition, which is well documented by the fossil record. Whether we will ever be able to genetically rewind an entire bird, however, remains to be seen. So, there was the idea that they could do it. That's very scary. These things worry me. What, have they got nothing better, scientists, to spend their times on than reversing chicken legs into dinosaurs, reverse engineering? Is there nothing they... Why are you looking at me oddly? I want to see a T-Rex. You want to see a T-Rex, do you? Yeah. You need to be careful what you wish for, <laughs> Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? Tiny alien caught on security cameras as it floats around in midair, then strolls down the street. Very casual. Just wanted to buy some cigarettes, catch the air, walk the dog, gets back in the UFO, off to Alpha Century for his dinner. That's where <laughs> we are. A bizarre creature filmed hovering in the street has caught the eye of conspiracy theorists who believe it could be an alien. The odd object was reportedly filmed by security cameras in Diyarbakir, Turkey. Uh, don't look at me. <laughs> I know nothing turkey. about Turkey. <laughs> Chibuk and what? Tabucker Turkey. Isn't that the thing with the chicken and duck in it? <laughs> That's a turducken. Oh, I, my apologies. My apologies to all the people that live in Turducken. In That's our Turkish listener gone. In Turkey, before the video was shared thousands of times online. He's a complete anchorer. (laughs) The grainy footage shows the weird creature only thought to be about a foot tall moving slowly around the street. 
At one stage, the creature rises into the air, appearing to hover there for several seconds before landing back on the road. It's got to be your dinosaur chicken. It's now hovering, is it? Yeah. Yes, it sellotaped itself to a drone. (laughs) Unsurprisingly, it didn't take long for YouTube viewers to start guessing what the creature was, with some claiming it was simply an oddly shaped balloon. But others weren't so convinced. Wow, I say no way that's a balloon. Another said the creature could be an extraterrestrial, writing, look, it's an alien. Other viewers claimed it could have been a penguin. Hang on a second. <laughs> What's a penguin doing in Turkey? Yes, like, it's going to be what well, it's going to be hot, isn't it? Is what it's going to be. If it was a penguin, it couldn't have managed to hover in midair. What's but a penguin? We're talking a balloon and a penguin, really? There is a lot of uh, parameters there, isn't there? I'm thinking a penguin and a turkey is probably the worst kind of avian pornography you could probably watch. <laughs> a little bit like last week's story. How did that go? It was I don't remember blue. any avian pornography from last week. <laughs> no, the description. It was blue, white, yellow. It could have been blue, red, yellow, white, and it was anything fireball. from the size of a tennis ball to a bowling ball. Right, and yes. a fireball. There you go. And many other things besides. That's just a join. If you wish to see that story, you can visit our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers. With Adrian Lee, you can also access my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And at any time, you can access our archives on soundcloud.com if you type in MQTA Radio. All of our shows of the last three years are there for you to play. And remember, we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes every week once we've gone off air in a round called Not For Your Mother. I have a story that says conspiracy theorists claim this footage is proof of alien life on Mars after discovering what they believe is a military-style base on the Red Planet. Really? Everything has been found on this planet. We wrote a list, didn't we, recently? I think there's a McDonald's there, too. Everything's there. The grainy footage shows (laughs) an unclear image of a dark object on the planet's surface, and it has divided viewers across the internet. Commentary alongside the footage claims the video shows what can only be described as a large base that sort of looks like military installations. The footage was reportedly found on Google Mars. Further commentary on the video adds, NASA has done a good job of hiding a lot of these objects. Hold on a second. Yes. You just said Google Mars. Yes. So they have one of those little Google cars running around Mars? Yes, they got an intern to do it. <laughs> he went up there in a full focus and he's been going around the planet oh, taking pictures. It's true. There is Google Mars. You can go and look at everything. That's ridiculous. That's right. Uh, you can go and see where my, I'm going to send my parents. <laughs> There's a retirement home they found on Mars. Yes, the weather's fabulous. It's sunny constantly. You'll have a whale of a time off your trot. Just go through through that little capsule door and you'll be fine (laughs) it's true google mars i tell you (laughs) further commentary on the video ads nasa has done a good job of hiding a lot of these objects many times what they'll do if the objects are too sharp and the resolution is too high they'll simply erase the object the video was uploaded to youtube by secure team 10 and has been viewed more than nineteen thousand times Viewers were divided on the video with one writing, looks to me like a very blurry image of a rock. But others were less sceptical, adding, (laughs) I enjoy your content. The truth cannot be hidden. You can see more from the Secure Team 10 by following them on Twitter. This actually looks like, to me, Fred Flintstone's house. Do you remember that? Yes. When he gets locked outside and he's banging on the door and he's going, Wilmer! 
I expect to see Wilma gardening outside. It looks like Fred Flintstone's house. All right, then. Am I the only one who watched the Flintstones Christmas no. special where they're all dressed up in Christmas clothes and they're hanging decorations and thought to themselves, how's that even possible? Because Jesus Christ has not been born yet. Oh, well, Just maybe me. You are. It's true, though, there isn't you go. it? We run into the final round. That is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that don't fit easily into any other category. I'm laughing because I'm giving myself points while I know. I'm writing. He just randomly does it. Anymore. I know. I want to win, I tell you. I'm an Aries. I'm Tigger. I would like to win. This is where uh-huh. we are. Kim can have four. That was a very splendid <laughs> story. <laughs> These late, are the but... stories that do not fit into any other category but are too fabulous not to read out live on air. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? I have a leg-humping stray dog prevents local reporter from getting through his live shot. <laughs> well, hurry up then. <laughs> Let him finish. Oh, no. 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 Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. That's, That's next not for round. next round. The headline pretty much says it all, people. But the video is still a must-see. A local Fox 13 affiliate in Memphis, Tennessee, struggled to get through a live shot covering the latest in the presidential election. Call it a case of amorous desire, but a stray dog seemed to be pretty obsessed with the left leg of the reporter, Earl Farrell, exactly at the wrong moment, or for us, the right moment. Just as the live shot began, Farrell immediately attempted to maneuver away from the pooch, scampering with, go on, rat, and no success. I've got a dog that's apparently taken a liking to me, said Farrell, before revealing that the stray animal wouldn't leave him alone. Can you imagine? That's hilarious. I bet he doesn't wear that cologne again. It's <laughs> terrible. Finally, the newsman hysterically gave up altogether. I'll tell you, we're going to come back to you because I can't get this thing to leave me alone. We'll be back, he said, walking out of the frame completely. <laughs> Let wow. him finish. And the dog's still right. <laughs> Too funny. I That's what he thinks of the election. That's what I'm thinking. That's where he's, he's making a political statement live on air, I tell you. That's terrible. I went to my cousin's house when I was younger. And he had a dog? And he had a dog, and it was a big German shepherd, Alsatian dog, vicious-looking animal. Yeah. And my cousin said to me, do not go near the dog, it's vicious. So I thought, okay, not a big fan of dogs, I'm not going to go near the dog. I'm sat watching the television. This dog comes and puts his head on my lap and he's looking at me so all i can see is fangs and a lot of teeth and and slobber and i'm thinking i've been told this dog's vicious anyway i start to pet it on the head and the dog's loving it the dog's starting to roll around on the floor i'm starting to rub its belly i'm patting it the dog's having a whale of a time i said to my cousin i thought you said this dog was vicious and my cousin says you stop stroking it so i took my hand away and the dog went i stroked that dog for two hours my hand went dead I had to hold my other hand and pet it at the same time. I was there till the early hours of the morning petting this dog. So <laughs> he I loves sh- it. I thought I'd share that with you. On the theme of dogs, I have a story that says missing cat found twice its original size after living for 14 months in a pet food factory. A family cat which disappeared 14 months ago has piled on the pounds after he was found living in a nearby pet food factory he was in heaven this is a dream come true for every cat alive isn't it what are the chances of a cat stumbling across a cat food factory that's almost like mel gibson finding the jack daniels factory in tennessee what are the chances of that happening (laughs) 
two-year-old cat, Clive, what a great name for a cat, Clive, disappeared from his home in December 2014, leaving owners Tanya and Jonathan Irons devastated. The couple, who have a two-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, put up posters around the neighbourhood and launched an appeal on Facebook, but to no avail. Clive was finally found on Wednesday by staff at a pet food factory two miles away who had noticed treats had been going missing. Now the family have been reunited with Clive, who has ballooned to almost twice his original size. It's Garfield. Tanya, a marketing manager, said Clive was nine months old when we lost him and he was a lot smaller then. Mm-hmm. When we got him back, we were shocked to see how big and fluffy he was. He's obviously been living the life of Riley in that pet food factory. We lost hope of ever seeing him again, but on Wednesday, we got a call out of the blue from the vets saying he'd been found. I asked what he looked like and whether he was okay and was looking very well and looking well looked after. I thought he must have been fed but it looks like he's been feeding himself quite happily. <laughs> they should get a lifetime supply. <laughs> I think he's already eaten a lifetime supply. I wonder if they're going to get charged. They get billed. His £3,000 <laughs> worth of cat food over the last two years. This would be a great advert for the cat food factory. You'd mm-hmm. get that big fat cat now, wouldn't you? And you'd put that all over your ad campaigns, wouldn't you? All over the billboards, all over the TV. You'd want to have Clive as your spokesperson, wouldn't you? So good, he broke into the factory and stayed away from home (laughs) for two years. He's now at home, but I haven't introduced him to his brothers, George and Leon. He was inseparable from them before. They were always cuddling and licking each other. Sounds like (laughs) brothers from Florida. I just hope he's the same now. I'm going to start reintroducing them to each other in one hour periods. They're getting playtime. We've had to tell our daughter Elizabeth he's just a new cat. It's too confusing for her to think he was lost. She's very excited, though. We heard Clive was a bit smelly when we caught him, but he seems fine now. He's definitely recognising us. He's just much fatter. Workers at Kennelgate Pet Superstore in Stapleford, Nottinghamshire, were suspicious when they found evidence of a cat burglar living in the store and came up with a cunning plan to trap him. A cunning plan that took two years. They (laughs) placed a trail of kitty treats leading up to a basket suspended over a pressure pad, which would cause it to drop, leaving the culprit inside. Clive was finally caught on Tuesday when staff came in for the start of their day and saw their trap had been activated. That part almost sounds like a James Bond film. What, where they trap the cat? Yes. This giant game of mousetrap is what it is. They forgot to mention there was a flamethrower involved That's in that. Mission Impossible. Dun, oh, there dun, you go. Banana. 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 They took him to a vet who scanned his microchip, which revealed he was registered to the Irons family, who lived two miles away in Totten. What fabulous, glorious, fun news we have in The Strange and the Bazaar. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in The Strange and the Bazaar? On the subject of dogs and cats, surgeon has transplanted the head of a monkey. He's transplanted the head <laughs> On what? of a monkey. Onto a man from Florida. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yay, it's an improvement. <laughs> the alleged success could mean that plans to perform a human head transplant in 2017 are still on track. 
controversial surgeon, Dr. Sergio Canavero, who believes that transplanting someone's head from one body to another is actually feasible, is so sure that this can be done that he has been asking billionaires for financial support to help him carry out such an operation on a live patient. I can feel a moment of satire coming on. I can feel it building up. It's brewing. It's getting larger. It's coming out. It's coming out. Is that Donald Trump? (laughs) Heather said that. I didn't say (laughs) As the billionaire to donate or as the recipient? Yes, let's go with that. (laughs) (laughs) The intended recipient of the new body will be 30-year-old Valery Spirodinov, who suffers from a genetic muscle-wasting condition called Wernig-Hoffman disease. Hang on a second. They're putting a human head on a monkey, or are they putting a monkey's head on a human body? They were successful with transplanting the head of a monkey onto a monkey, so now they want to do it on a human. Okay. Human to human. Human to, oh, so they want to put a human head on another human. Yes. Ah, I was thinking they were <laughs> putting a human thinking? head on a monkey. Or a monkey's head on a human. I was thinking I was going to see my Uncle Dave and he was going to be springing from a tyre and smelling his own faeces. Wow. Just a normal Sunday afternoon in the Lee family <laughs> household. When I realized that I could participate in something really big and important, I had no doubt left in my mind and started to work in this direction, he said. The only thing I feel is a sense of pleasant impatience, like I have been preparing for something important all my life. Now, in preparation for this feat, Dr. Canavero has claimed that he has managed to successfully perform the procedure on a live monkey at Harbin Medical University in China. The monkey fully survived the procedure without any neurological injury of whatever kind, he said. Despite his assertions, however, the claim has been met with a significant degree of skepticism as no scientific confirmation of the operation has been forthcoming. Yeah, China as well. That sounds like the island of Dr. Maru right there. Well, wasn't it China last week too? I talk about last week's show, but wasn't it China where the workers killed the person in the elevator because they didn't check first? Yes, they're not high on their list of priorities is health and safety. And I guess chopping up monkeys and gluing them back together is probably up there Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, many scientists have also raised concern about what could happen to Mr. Spiradinov should the procedure even be attempted on him and what sort of existence he would have afterwards. There are more questions than answers. Heather, you need the point. Strange in the bazaar. I have a billionaire Russian who says, I will live forever. Wow. Very, very similar stories tonight. I know. You wait all year for one to come along. It's like buses, isn't it? And then two genetic stories come along at the same time. I know. Dmitry Itzkov maintains that he will live forever by uploading his consciousness into a robotic body. I don't understand how this is going to work, but whatever. Four years ago, the Russian entrepreneur founded the 2045 Initiative, a nonprofit organization with only one goal – to find a way to achieve everlasting life within the space of just three decades. The key to accomplishing this, he believes, is to develop a way to upload a human mind into a machine, an immortal body that could maintain someone's personality and consciousness. The organization employs a team of highly skilled specialists who are working on, among other things, the neural interface that will make it possible to transfer the brain to a computer – if you lost, if you uploaded your consciousness mm-hmm. onto a hard drive or a stick or some sort of, you know, memory thumb, what happens if you then misplace that? Have you lost your mind? <laughs> you were waiting This is a whole story. This is a definite copy of the movie called Transcendence. Never seen it. Don't know. It's got your hero in it. 
Johnny Which Depp. Which one? Johnny Depp. <gasps> oh, now i got to rent it from Redbox. You mean there's a Johnny Depp film you haven't seen? Yes. Who knew? I know, right? It's disappointing for you. It is. Now I'm going to have something to do this Saturday. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole Saturday. Different scientists call it uploading or they call it mind transfer. I prefer to call it personality transfer. While the Russian billionaire's goals are certainly impressive, the question remains as to whether, even if he's successful, anyone will actually want to live forever inside the cold body of a robot. Just think, if you're married, you could have your wife live forever. Wouldn't that be great? Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Hurrah. All right. Well, I'll just end it there then. That's it. I just want you to I just want you to dwell on that. Yes. Living forever with I don't want to live forever. I'm I I like everyone has to die. I'm surprised you didn't spout out the song from I was just gonna say. I thought you were in the singing mood. Everybody thought it. I'm in desperate need of the points here, so I'm gonna jump in with a story that says this is the dramatic moment a priest performed a bizarre exorcism on a woman who was said to be possessed by a snake. The exorcism took place in Kwekwe, Zimbabwe. Where? Quick Quay. Cool Quick. <laughs> They're doing exorcisms at the princess as we speak. <laughs> at the Bethsaida Ministry Church, priest Teddy Bantu led the ritual and promised to rid the woman of her inner demon after she confessed her terrifying experience to religious leaders. He then begins the exorcism by shouting into a microphone while pushing his hand against the woman's head. That sounds like a prince concert. Immediately, she begins to fall backwards, unsteady on her feet as the priest continues chanting at the snake to get out and leave the woman's body. Just a normal Friday night for Greg. (laughs) Eventually, the woman drops to the ground where she lies on her back as a member of the congregation covers her with a blanket. Another man approaches the woman and sprays her face with a liquid as she shrieks and convulses, apparently in pain. What liquid? I'm guessing that's holy water, madam. (laughs) Okay. Priest Bantu finally shouts in the name of Jesus before the room falls silent. He then holds the microphone near the woman's mouth and asks her who she is. When no answer comes, he concludes, the spirit has gone and you are free. That'll be $100, please. Did the devil not take the form of a snake during the story of Adam and Eve? Interesting times in which we living. I have one last story here in the round of the strange and the bizarre. It says extinct tree frog rediscovered in India after 137 years. That's an old frog. It is a very old frog. It had grey hair and a walking <laughs> stick. And it, and it smelt of wee-wee. An extraordinary tree frog thought to have died out more than a century ago has been rediscovered in India. I bet they ate it. $10 said they ate it. The discovery was made by renowned Indian biologist Dr. Daz Biju and a team of scientists in the jungles of northeastern India. It is hoped the frogs might now be found across a wide area from China to Thailand. Studies of the frog also led scientists to reclassify it as an entirely new genus. The golf ball-sized frog. That would be dangerous, wouldn't it, if you're playing golf? In India, and there's a golf ball-sized <laughs> frog. That can only lead to disaster, I'm guessing. Four. Oh, dear. That's not good news. It lives in a tree 
19 foot above the ground, which may have helped it stay undiscovered. Although other scientists have suggested it may have gone unnoticed simply because there are so few scientists working in this remote region. The height at which they live is not their only quirk, with females laying their fertilised eggs in tree holes filled with water only to return after the tadpoles hatch to feed them with unfertilised eggs. They're eating other frogs. Soil and green is humans. Unlike most frogs, adults also eat vegetation rather than insects and larvae. Mr. Bijou of the University of Delhi is known as the Frogman in India for discovering 89 of the country's 350 or so frog species. He can also eat flies and insects with his tongue and climb up walls. We heard a full musical orchestra coming from the treetops. It was magical. Of course, we had to investigate. Who knew that frogs played instruments? Did you know this? Yeah, Kermit does. Kermit plays an instrument. Mm -hmm. Oh, he plays a banjo, doesn't he? He does. I've been a fool all these years. (laughs) I didn't know. Who knew? (laughs) Using DNA analysis, Mr. Bijou and his colleagues have now identified the frogs as part of a new genus, meaning it has a new name. And apparently, they taste like chicken we've reached the final round of the evening some would say the best round of the evening and well done to you because you've now found us on one of our platforms on social media so well done you this is the round called not for your mother the round where your mother needs to be removed from the room if she is easily offended if she is of a delicate disposition if there are young minors they need to be ushered out and sent to bed with milk and cookies heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother i have a public service announcement wow this show is always very informative isn't it trying to help absolutely just trying to help yes i hear you cop seek hipster ninja masturbator Ninja. You, yes. Ninja. <laughs> That's terrible. What if he gets a ninja and strains himself? I don't know. Seattle police trying to identify a masked man believed to have masturbated outside a home of University of Washington students multiple times, that little sneaky ninja. Is he all dressed in black from head to yes, foot? Yes, he is. Is there a hole cut in the costume? Uh, yes, for his eyes and nether regions. Okay. Yes. <laughs> is it nether regions where like Michael Jackson had some sort of ranch? Uh, so that nether regions. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think we're right. The behavior was first reported actually on January 10th when, when, when a woman called 911 to say she saw a man pleasuring himself outside the front door of her home near the university district. Respond- that letterbox was asking for it. <laughs> Responding officers were unable to find the offender. Do you know why? Because he was a ninja. He's a ninja. Yes. First you see him, then you oh, don't. Oh, sneaky He's ninja. gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a surveillance camera installed at the home caught a masturbator at the same time on February 7th, showing a man covered from head to toe in black. What's he thing Saved then? for two body parts. What was that? Doors. He's obsessed with front doors, is he? He just, I, apparently, yeah. He's into doors. Yeah. Knobs and knockers. <laughs> the doors. He's into yes. the doors. <laughs> his clothing included a hood, a wrap around his face, and toe shoes. He was oh, cool. all out, yeah. I like uh, toe shoes. I'm not a big fan of vegetarian food, but I like toe shoes. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? The night vision surveillance footage makes his attire appear white, though. We know how to use it. See? Stop it. You get your own bell. (laughs) Power corrupts, doesn't it? You hear what we're saying here? 
home residents, all University of Washington students. Uh, Is that Washington or Washington? Wash- Washington. Okay, so I didn't realize there was a different place. Reported hearing suspicious sounds outside the house several times. Suspicious sounds? Yes. Unfamiliar sounds. <laughs> what on earth is that? That's like walking through sand. Wet sand. Don't, that's disgusting. You're, t- you're turning my guts, madam. <laughs> oh, that was too much fun. Um, detectives believe the man may have visited the home up to four times since November 2015. And so the home's a, still right. He's a serial ninja, hipster, ninja, ninja. masturbator. Serial ninja. <laughs> Anyways, Seattle police ask anyone with information about the case or suspect to call. Here's where it's a public service announcement. 206-684-5575. I repeat. 206-684-5575. Oh, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Two for one. Yes. Free shipping. If you masturbate on someone's front porch now, we'll send you a second one free. (laughs) Just pay handling. Oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> a man who lives with a 10 pound penis has shared all about his living with an enormous member and he says it's great. Five pound penis. That's five bags of sugar. I thought you said 10 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I was paying attention. I don't That's know about anybody it's else. Two and a half bags of sugar then. It started out of five pounds, <laughs> but things have progressed nicely. <laughs> See how I perk up at that? Mika Stuntz lives in Berlin. It wasn't Stuntz. Where he says, yes, but I want to stay on air. Where he says his big package has helped him free himself from established roles and ideas about sex and has left him ready to play. The 45-year-old has revealed that his penis is nine inches long and 5.5 inches wide. It's a tin of Pringles. Boys and gals. What? Once you pop. Thanks to Silicon, I can see what you're doing there. Yes, it's going to be more than a handful. (laughs) Thanks to Silicon Injections, it weighs roughly 9.5 pounds. He made it that way? Yes, or the weight of an average size cat. So he doesn't have elephantitis. Who compares the weight of their penis to a cat? Look at this one. Look, this is two and a half puppies, roughly. Although he says being big in the underwear department can stop you doing some things in the bedroom, it does make you more creative about what you can do. His interest in enlargement started 20 years ago when he was given a penis pump. It's just not mine, man. It's not my bag, man. It's just not mine. But it has I'm your name on nervous. it. No. It says just, Adrian Lee. Oh, Adrian Danger Lee. <laughs> <laughs> it was too curious. He was too curious not to try it out. First, I tried it secretly for myself. What and is that? That's two and a half puppies. And I found that when I went out and pumped up, it felt great. And I had the feeling that I wasn't trapped in my body I was born with, but that I had the possibility to shape it myself. Having had four procedures so far, he says that day-to-day life is as normal as it is for anyone else, except perhaps when it comes to buying trousers and underwear. I'm actually a pretty shy person, he added, uh-huh. at a gay fetish event where he worked and wore black PVC guard. He's batting for the other side? I'm guessing his Pringle tube may have been used in a more unconventional way than what we first thought. Oh. Fifty Shades of Brown. 
He compared his additional bulk to a breast enlargement for women, which he says no one bats an eyelid yet. Yes, but a breast enlargement isn't going to ruin my hobby of cycling. (laughs) Kid, (laughs) what have you got tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? A police stop leads to a bizarre arrest. Three people remain in custody after being arrested following a traffic stop in Canton. In what was described by Lieutenant Paul Sullivan as the most bizarre traffic stop that he has seen in 23 years on the force. Wow. Canton police responded to a report of a disabled vehicle traveling on Route 95. They came across the vehicle shortly after 2 a.m. traveling in the high-speed lane on the southbound side. Former male model Francis Fasher of Foxborough was arrested and charged with a DUI. We spotted the green Hyundai Elantra traveling at approximately 5 miles per hour in the passing lane with a huge shower of sparks coming from the rear of the vehicle. As we get closer, we noticed that the rear end of the vehicle was dragging on the ground due to the fact that there were no rear tires or axle on the vehicle. You'd think you'd notice, wouldn't you? That's why the car's disabled. (laughs) After the vehicle pulled over, we approached it and found that the driver was not only drinking a can of beer, but that he was not wearing any pants and that he had urinated on himself. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my dad, is it? you got to go all out. Yes, yeah, you go big or go home. After not one but two brief foot chases, Francis Fasher, 45 of Foxborough, was placed under <laughs> well, he arrest. Couldn't have a one foot chase. <laughs> you could if you're a dinosaur chicken. <laughs> there were also two female passengers in the back seat, stated Lieutenant Sullivan. I bet their bottoms were getting warm. If they were sat in the back seat and there was no rear axle mm-hmm. and there was sparks shooting out, did they not think it was getting rather hot below them? Maybe. One of the females was asleep, partially clad. Oh. The other was extremely hysterical. At that time, we believed that she might have been under the influence of PCP due to the fact that she claimed there were mice biting at her and climbing on her. (laughs) Phantom ghost mice. Because of the size of the two women, police were unable to pull the women out of the rear doors of the vehicle. What? That's why the axle and the tires disappeared. (laughs) After members of the Canton Rescue Squad cut the roof off the vehicle, and and with the help of a crane supplied by Shaughnessy Crane... The women were lifted out of the car. Two fat ladies, click, click, click. Police estimate the weight of each woman was between 300 and 450 pounds. Can you imagine if you lent in the car and said, yeah, you can borrow the car, but make sure it comes back. Yeah, it's a green Hyundai. Make sure it comes back in perfect condition. There's not a scratch on that car. You can borrow it. It was a leased vehicle. But don't do anything to it. Shortly after being extracted from the vehicle, the two women began arguing with each other and blows were thrown. At that point, police arrested 17-year-old Tina Pebbles Zonfrelli of Foxborough and 56-year-old Donna Dyers of Lynn. Tina Pebbles? Yes. Oh. Flintstones again, huh? I see where we are. We followed the drag marks and found that the axle and tires had separated from the vehicle some four miles back. Oh, Christ. <laughs> they were so large, they broke the axle and the tires off. <laughs> the axle, wheels, and tires were found in the parking lot of the ancient lounge located in Foxborough. At this time, we believe that the three individuals had patronized the ancient lounge for the better part of the day, and that at closing time, they decided to continue the party at Mr. Fasher's apartment. Upon entering the vehicle, the combined weight of the occupants caused the axle and wheels to separate from the vehicle. Was it more than two and a half puppies? (laughs) It is unbelievable that an individual could drive over four miles and not realize that there were no rear tires on the car. What's that noise coming from the back? 
Why are we sitting on the floor looking up at the sky? Why are all those sparks there, in my rear view mirror? Isn't the gas tank in the back? Yes, n- normally, on yes. A, I don't know on that vehicle. What what type of vehicle is it? Because uh, I, I, yeah. I don't want to buy that one. No. no. Well, you say that, but it's still going and it's only got two wheels. That's actually <laughs> a, a really good advert. Right. This is like the Terminator of cars where you've just got the hand left at the end and it's still crawling towards you. <laughs> During the search of the vehicle, police came up with an unexpected find. The interior of the vehicle was very messy. There were beer cans, food wrappers, rib bones, and other rubbish in the car. Under the driver's seat, we found a nest of mice. I guess (laughs) she did see a mouse. She was being attacked by mice. Poor woman. (laughs) Police charged Fasher with driving while intoxicated, indecent exposure, urinating in public, disturbing the peace, failure to stay in marked lanes. Hold on, hold on. How could he be urinating in public when he went on himself inside the car? Well, he had to get out of the car when he was arrested, I'm guessing. But that was urination public. Maybe they checked the car and it wasn't urinated in, so they knew they had had to be public. I don't know. I think you're digging into this in far too much detail. Um, I don't know the answer. What's the difference between urinating normally and urinating in public? Well, that's when you're in public and you're actually doing the deed. But if you bring your urination out to the public, that's not. Is the problem with urination though the fact that you have to get your bits out? What if you urinate yourself in your trousers? That's what I'm saying. Is that still allowed? What are the rules on urination? Let's get a police officer in here and we'll talk about the rules of urination. What about the pens? This is true. They've not thought it through. You're going to like some of the rest of these charges. Let me start start with them again. (laughs) So he got the driving while intoxicated, indecent exposure, urinating in public, disturbing the peace, failure to stay in marked lanes, destruction of public property, assaulting a police officer, driving an unregistered motor vehicle, driving an uninsured motor vehicle, non-payment of child support. How did that creep in? I don't know. Mm. Public intoxication, evading police, passengers not wearing seatbelts, Transporting they lab animals without proper permits. They couldn't get the seatbelts around the passengers. Transporting animals without permits. Is Must that be the, the mice? mice. <laughs> that's terrible. We're transporting no, that's mice. that's the passengers. permits. <laughs> At the end of this, they're going to old Sparky, aren't they? They're going to the chair on the back of this. <laughs> and final, contributing to the delinquency of a minor. The one of them was 17, that's remember? That's right. Yes, and she's so large, they had to cut the roof off the car. Mm -hmm. And bring in a crane. That's bad (laughs) news all around. We've been after this guy for quite some time, said West. Mr. Fasher is well known to us. He is a renowned transvestite, and he's been arrested a number of times for prostitution. In June of 1998, he was arrested six times in one week. I wonder if his attorney said we'll plead guilty to all 19 charges if you throw out the mice one. It's a plea bargain. <laughs> Transporting livestock. He's got mice in his car. That's terrible. They're just throwing the book at him now. They're making any old thing up. He lost his diary, so we're going to do him for being drunk and disorganized. Fasher faces a number of complaints from business owners in Canton, and charges have been filed against him by a number of citizens in the community. Four people have filed civil damage lawsuits against him after their private property was damaged. One per- person has alleged that he had sex with her prize-winning French poodle in her backyard. Was it a male or a female poodle? That makes a big difference. Don't know. Okay. Jimmy Chan, owner of the Golden Dong China Restaurant. The Golden, Golden Dong. Dong. Yes. <laughs> we, you worship at the altar of the Golden Dong. <laughs> Shh. He claims. 
Greg wants to eat at the Golden Dong. <laughs> he claims that he assaulted an employee and caused damages to his establishment. Here's his quote. He drink all morning, said Chan. He get crazy. I tell him no more beer for you, and he throw a poo-poo platter at waitress. He's Pakistani, is he? <laughs> he a very bad man. He <laughs> broke every expensive mirror. <laughs> That's terrible. That's the worst accent I've ever heard. <laughs> James Marathas. Is this story going to end? The clocks went forwards. <laughs> Of Marothas Carpets alleges that he found Fasher sleeping in his store when he opened up for business one morning three weeks ago. He sounds like the love of the town, doesn't he? Everyone in that town <laughs> loves that man. He broke in through the back door and passed out right there, said Marothas, pointing out the spot. I threw him out, but later I discovered that he had urinated all over our entire Persian rug collection, and I ended up with a cleaning bill for $2,600. Wow. The trouble with eating at the Golden Dong is that once you've eaten there, 20 minutes later, you want to eat there again. Heather. If that isn't true. Oh, <laughs> oh my. I say, end this round before we get removed. Okay, I've got everybody's favorite. It's Hulk Hogan testifies his wrestling character's 10-inch penis is bigger than his own. It's a can no? of Pringles. No. This seems to be a theme running through this show. You read that correctly, or I read it to you correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you spotted the difference. It was getting confusing I for know. me. While telling the courtroom about the distinction between himself and his wrestling character, Hulk Hogan, whose real name is Terry Bolia, announced that the fictional character is more well-endowed than the real person. I wanted to have a daughter now called Elizabeth that's called E. Bolia. That would be hilarious. Has he got a daughter? Is she called Elizabeth? Probably. Edwina? Any of those would be great, wouldn't it? Hogan says that while in character, which is pretty much always, he makes outlandish statements and acts a certain way, because that's what people expect. When he gave a radio interview with host Bubba the Love Sponge... That sounds like a really good, (laughs) in-depth interview where they're peeling back the layers of meta-narrative. This is the same guy whose wife was with Hogan in the sex tape at the center of the trial that he was at. Hogan discussed the sinus of his penis. I can't even get my words out because I'm thinking about the tennis. I can see what's happened, yes. Uh, But when asked about it, on the stand, he admitted that the character has different dimensions than the real person. He said he doesn't have a 10-inch penis. But here's what the Twitterverse said about everything. Hulk Hogan claims Little Hogan is 10 inches, but Terry, Terry Bolia isn't. I hear that he wasn't a particularly good wrestler, and I heard that he was constantly licked in the ring. <laughs> I'm waiting oh. for you to break out into the song 10-inch record. I don't know that one. I don't Go know that one it. either. No. You're showing your age now. Is that Johnny yeah. Cash? Is it the Chipmunks? I don't know. I don't recall. No, we've got nothing. <laughs> okay. If people wish to write in, you're wasting your time. <laughs> Hogan, listening to himself, talked to Bubba the Love Sponge. He wanted to hear all about his little Hulkamaniac. Bubba the Love Sponge. Yes, Hulk wants it very clear on record that Terry does not have a 10-inch dong. It's not mine because mine isn't that size, but we were discussing the length of Hulk Hogan's penis. Sounds like living his wrestling gimmick was just an excuse to lie about his junk. Oh, yeah. Oh, my. God. I thought you'd soiled yourself. What's wrong with you? 
I'm genuinely scared. I'm going to draw this whole show to a conclusion. By the way, Kim, your 10-inch record, big 10-inch record, was Aerosmith. Yay! Due to Greg's research skills. Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery is Greg, who scored a magnificent and splendid one point. But in first place, winning the $33,000 IR camera, despite the fact that she brought her own bell with her this week, it is Heather. Seconds out, round one, (laughs) who scored six points. Yay! Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of cheating next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee. Or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, if you go to soundcloud.com and type in MQTA radio, we are going to be doing another 20 to 25 minutes of the show now in a round called Not For Your Mother that we can't read out live on air for fear of being removed or being given a very, very large fine. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Shaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society in paranormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal in Interest group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening and remember be interested and interesting. Good night. Mm-hmm.